In the beginning, before the earth was really formed, it was, the Bible says, chaotic, dark, just a mass of resource waiting, waiting for God to do what he wanted to do to it. The Bible says in the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was brooding over the earth. And then it says, God spoke. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And then he began to rearrange the planet over a period of six days. By the spoken word, he began God by his word. The word is Jesus, Father God. Jesus is the word, but the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the true in God. And again, Father God, the Son of God is the word, the Son of God the word was spoken and and through Jesus the world was created and then we hear an, uh, in Genesis chapter 2 3 it talks about man in the garden walking in the cool of the garden in the presence of God and mankind man was directly in contact with God. He used to walk with God. Mankind would walk with God, talk with God, live with God. And then sin came in in the Garden of Eden and separated, separated mankind from his presence. New Testament. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, walked the earth, said that the kingdom of God was near, meaning that Jesus was saying, I'm going to pay a price for sin. That sin that was abated by fulfilling the law of the Old Testament, the Leviticus that you were talking about, the coloring in, in between the lines, the law. Jesus came and said, guess what? I'm going to change things up. I'm going to create a people who can color in outside the lines. I'm going to create a people who can, who can, Walk outside of the law, sniff the roses, and begin to fulfill my righteous standards. Not by what they do, but by what my son Jesus will do on the cross of Calvary. So Jesus tried to share this and teach this and show this, and he virtually showed us who Jesus was, or showed us who God was, I should say, the character of God, the nature of God, that God wants to heal people. He wants to open blind eyes. In fact, if someone dies too, too young or, or if it wasn't their time, he would raise them up from the dead. Jesus would sovereignly intervene. That's what we need in Haiti, a sovereign intervention. If Jesus was able to walk in there, houses, limbs, 
mar- I mean, families. What would Jesus do if he walked into that town? And so Jesus got to the end of his ministry after three years, uh, teaching us, showing us what God was like. And he, he said, I've got to go now. But I want you to do what I've been doing. I want you to do what I've been doing. But I want you to wait for the promise. And the promise goes way back into the Old Testament. That one day, the presence of God would return to the people of God. That we wouldn't have to go to a temple or send a priest in like they did in the Old Testament. Send one priest in who was wholly sanctified. And if he just had one scarecrow sin, he would have a rope tied to his leg and he would walk in, fear and trepidation, walk in. And, and he would walk towards the Shekinah glory, the ark of the glory of God. And so if that priest was not purified and sinless, he was struck dead. And they would, they, the bells would stop because he had bells on his, on his tassels there, tassels, bells. And, and when they heard that bell stop, they went, he's done for. He must have had... He must have been, had some sin. Drag him back out. So that was like this temple, one temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus is now saying, I'm going to release the presence. I'm going to release the glory. I'm going to release this power unto a new people, a church that would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hence, that's the sort of church that you're sitting in right now. It's not a church of just following the letter of the law, but we are being led by the Spirit towards Jesus. And in that, we do His bidding, not because we have to, not because we're goody two-shoes, but because we're compelled in our heart of hearts to do what we do. The fear of man abates. The embarrassment. In fact, in our weakness, he is strong. And so now, right now, we have a church that is alive to the Spirit of God, to the presence of God. Can you just put up that scripture in Acts chapter 2? I just want to quickly, because I've left my notes completely now. Acts 2.1, this is the most important day, a important day. Jesus died on the cross, huge day for humanity huge day probably the biggest day but this is right up there and Jesus said I've got to pay a price for your sin this, this, this must be paid for by my blood this sacrifice must be paid for and so he says but wait 
don't move, don't try and do anything until you receive this power. As it says, yeah, just leave that up there. Thanks, Brett. In Acts uh, 1.8, and so I'm being led by the Spirit right now to just to bring this in a way that is short and cute. Acts 1.8 says, uh, and Jesus, these are the words that Jesus, before he ascended for the last time, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, don't do anything. Don't, and, and in Luke, let, let's have a look at Luke. And here's more parting words of Jesus in the last chapter of Luke. So we're getting the message. Jesus says, don't do anything until you receive power to live this Christian life. To, to, to build the church. You're not going to be able to build the church and stand in a wicked world unless you receive power. And, 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 and he says it again in Luke uh, chapter 24. Twenty-nine, is it? No, 49. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I love this. Let's read on. Uh, 50. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands, this is Jesus, and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. That's why church is important. They stayed until they were endowed with power. And for me, for this year... For me this year, our theme should be this. And this is what we've wrangled in the spirit by prayer, that we should be spirit-empowered people, spirit power. Because it suddenly dawned on us, especially in the last few years, that a lot of Christians are running on with no power. They, they love the church. They love what it means. They love to, to come. But really, to really get the dynamic of the adventure of the Christian life and to sustain the Christian life, you need the power of God. Who's with me on that? You can't read your Bible without the Holy Spirit. You can't even get saved without the Holy Spirit. Let me take you to the birth of the church. Here it is. So Jesus has ascended. He said, wait until you receive the promise, until you receive the power. Don't do anything, just wait. And we have these, what's left of, say, 400 people. We have 120 still waiting in the upper room. They say it was Mark's mother's house. Huge room, half as big as this room probably. And they're waiting and they're praying. Some had to leave. Oh, look, I've waited long enough. I've got to go. I've got things to do. Some, And they were left with 120 people just praying for this promise and believing for this promise of God that Jesus said would come. And 120 are praying. When... The day of Pentecost came, they are all together in one place. Thank you. Moving on. 
And they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Can we just back it up to 2.1 and we'll go through to 2.2. Let's go by line by line because I've changed it up on these guys. I'm just going to hope you're going to follow me. I'm going to read it from my Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here it is. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Two, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. Verse 3, they saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. See that? Let's take it down to 14, Brett. Verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. You there yet? Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Because what happened on the day of Pentecost, they got blasted by the Holy Spirit. They got empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they, they literally came out of that upper room into the marketplace. And Peter got up and began to preach. But they came out of the upper room totally inebriated, totally. Last week, Julie spoke on the Holy Spirit last Sunday night. Brilliant. And she threw out the invitation, if you wanted to be spirit baptized, which we call baptized in the spirit. And we had some people came out wanting, again, to befriend the Holy Spirit, who is our friend, our counselor, our comforter. And we had some people come out. We had a businessman that only was saved four weeks ago came out on the altar and we prayed for him and bang, down he went in the spirit. And he started to really, wow, he just, you could tell he was under under the weight of the spirit of God. And I could see that he was Breathing almost like breathing this in because the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. The, the Bible says in John chapter 3, and when Nicodemus came to visit um, Nicodemus, when Jesus came, when, when Nicodemus came to visit Jesus, Nicodemus says, What is this about being born again? He said, Jesus said, It's like the Spirit, it's like the wind. It comes in and it goes. And so the Spirit is 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 this, it's like the wind. It comes, it goes. It's moving. It's creating. It's being invited and it floats away. Ruach is the word. The the Greek word is ruach, spirit. And there's another word for it, life. Life. Spirit. Jesus breathed on the disciples. That's why prophecy is so important because when we prophesy, we breathe. This is what happened out of this Um, amazing day called Pentecost. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised, I'm nearly done. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now what happens when you get filled with God and you can be filled with God because you are a vessel. You can get filled up on the world. Or you can just be plain empty. But the Bible says you are a vessel waiting to be filled with God. 
this man here had already given his life to Jesus. But when he, when he asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we laid hands on him. The Holy Spirit so came upon him, he was filled. He just fell over in the Spirit. They call it slain in the Spirit. It's not a great terminology, but he fell over in the Spirit. And he was literally like he was a drunk man. God was displacing stuff out of his life, hurts, traumas, disappointments, rejection, betrayal, stuff, stuff, stuff. And God was filling him up. And the altar was nearly finished. We gave the people the privilege or the opportunity to go. He got up and he's a businessman. He's a straight up strong businessman. Very strong, very... He was shaking that that guy's hand. Huge, strong guy. He gets up here and he, he tries to speak to me. And he says, I, I'm not sure what's happening. These are not drunk as you suppose. That's what we said to him. It's cool, buddy. This is the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is God coming into your life, baptizing you, filling you to overflowing, displacing your senses displacing your even your balance displacing your faculties displacing who you are as a as a self-sufficient strong man see the poor in spirit inherit the kingdom meaning that when you're not strong in yourself god comes in when you say god i need you without you i'm nothing and so this guy he he starts to he starts to breathe like I said, do you know what that is? He said, you're breathing in the Holy Spirit. We didn't tell him to do that. We didn't tell him to do that. He's only been to church twice. And some people are even breathing in the Holy Spirit right now. Because you, you breathe it in. But Peter was trying to say something about this day, about this very important day, which is the day of the birth of the church, the people of his presence. This is the birth of this type of church that all over the world is bearing fruit, reaping a harvest of souls, empowering people, transforming people. I'm nearly done. And he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Continue on, please. And he says this, Peter, because he knows the word of God, He says, King James Version says, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel 700 years previous. I want to read it to you because it's powerful. So Peter now is standing up with the 120 speaking in tongues, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up and begins to preach one of the best sermons that you'll find in the whole Bible. And he says this, this is that that was spoken 700 years ago by the prophet Joel. Now, this is what the prophet Joel said 700 years before this event. He says there will come a time, Joel says there will come a time. And Peter says, this is the time, this is that. And it says this, in the, and Peter quotes it, he quotes the scripture, he knows the scripture. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit 
on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Prophecy had returned to the church right there and then. Prophecy. God has given us authority to prophesy into our world, to prophesy into this city, to prophesy into people's lives, to prophesy over your life and you to speak over your children and to bless every circumstance about your life. The breath of prophecy had returned to the people of God. Here it is. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. A lot of our singing is about prophecy. We're actually prophesying. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. Peter is virtually saying, this is that. The presence of God has returned to the people of God in a most precious way. Just like in the Garden of Eden, just like at the very start in Genesis, just like the presence of God came upon Saul, David, Samuel, just like the presence came upon the, the kings and the priests, now when Jesus, remember, died on the cross and where the presence of God was in the temple in Jerusalem, it, the presence was only there, the Shekinah glory, the Kabod glory was only in that temple for a one visit, a yearly annual visit. Now when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the, 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 the temple that separated the glory, the presence of God from the people, from humanity, from the world, that curtain which was a foot thick literally ripped from top to bottom. And the presence of God was released to the church, to you, to us, to be empowered, to live in His presence. Not to color in the lines and follow the law, but to color outside the lines with prophecy, to pray, to preach, to declare that God is alive, to build the church to sing, to dance, to enjoy life for your best life. Ezekiel said it, there will come a day in 36, in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will, remain, and I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers and you'll be my people and I will be your God and I will save you from all uncleanliness. I can't help it, but I've got to get this scripture through. God has made a way for us. In his image, God has made a way for us. Presence is the most powerful thing. Presence is the most powerful thing. 
being with someone is, is a most precious thing. Who went to the big day out and being with those people on that outing was so precious for them? Being on holidays with my wife is so precious. When you're sick, you know, to get a letter is one thing. To get a gift is one thing. To get a telephone call is one thing. To get an SMS is one thing. But to have someone visit you and be there with you. If you've ever lost a loved one, like Jill has, your mother has lost her husband, met him at 18 years of age. Now she's 75 and she still grieves two and a half years later. I just want his presence around me. Somehow through the corruption of life, we lost that natural instinct to want the presence of God and to even believe and to see God. That's why the Bible says this in Luke 4, 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus said, I'm bringing an anointing to open people's eyes to feel and see the presence of God. And the Bible says in Luke 4, 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's on you. It's on the church because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. The blind meaning not really the, the, the physical blind, but people who can't see God. I can't see God who He is. I don't see His nature. I don't see His will to be good. I don't see Him to be a good God. But the anointing, the presence of God upon the church and upon you and I allows people's eyes to be open and say, oh my God, He really does love me. What am I being doing all this time? Ignoring Him. I thought he was angry. I thought he was upset. I thought, but if your eyes were opened right now to see how Jesus would be looking at you, if he was right beside you, and if his presence was right beside you, Scott, and if he was to able to look at you, man, you would come alive. You would serve him. You would love him. You would worship him. No matter where. You, didn't, you wouldn't even have to come to church because the Bible says... We satisfy God by being led by the Spirit, not by the letter of the Lord, not by coloring in between the lines. It's all out the, outside the lines now, guys. Jesus paid the price. He paid for that law. It's done. Now we live by the Spirit. We follow by the Spirit. We live Holy Spirit. Thank you that you led me to salvation beside an old river at Waranora, living with the guys, five other five other lads one day Jesus said to me through a book the Holy Spirit led me to read this book same book that Frank read same book that a lot of people read and in the back of that book was the Lord's Prayer I said the Lord's Prayer and bang that was the day I was saved I came running out of the room into Arthur Jones's bedroom I said Arthur I'm saved he said You've been smoking too much weed. What are you talking about? You, you, get out of here. I haven't got time for such nonsense. He said, I'm serious. A white light came into my room. Jesus is Lord. Because we'd already had many discussions. Very good discussions. My mates were very, very smart, intelligent. Ground engineers for Qantas. Electrical engineers. All like to enjoy life, but but debate God at times. And I ran into this guy's bedroom. I said, Jesus is Lord. I've just said a prayer. Do you want to say it? He says, get out of here. Get out of here. The Holy Spirit 
The Holy Spirit led me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit led me to Julie. The Holy Spirit led me to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit led me to help Jesus pioneer this church. The Holy Spirit is is with me on holidays in my little igloo because I don't like 24-hour sun now. I felt like Michael Jackson. They had an umbrella up on the beach. And I got, I got, man, I got the perfect skin for it. I don't care, man. I don't want that sun on me four or five hours a day. I felt like Michael Jackson. I put the umbrella up. And I got this igloo. And I'm looking at the beach. I'm in my little igloo. The presence of God's there. People are looking. Said, that guy all right? He's just looking out over the waves. He's, he looks a bit disorientated. He, should we call the lifesaver? But the presence of God is real to me, Mark. On the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed and the church is the people of His presence, not religion. Friend, Jesus did not come to bring religion. He came to crucify that thing. Drawing in between the lines is religion. Do this, do that. Put that there, this there, that that. Pull over on the road, three o'clock, got to pray. Now we're led by the Spirit. Pull over, Jules. Lord, speaking to us. We're going to have a picnic. God wants to say a few things. We're led by the Spirit. And by the Spirit, we are empowered to live life, to know God. You can't know God without the Holy Spirit. This, All this stuff will wear off. I see youth falling out of the church because the good times wear off. The thrills and spills wear off. Unless we bring people to the presence of God, all this dissipates into grey. You'll just go see another blockbuster movie and give your heart to that. What's that movie called? Avatar. Avatar. Wow, what a movie. What an imagination. What storytelling. What an amazing story. But guess what is the most amazing story? Jesus Christ came to link us up to God the Father. By the power of His Spirit, this creative force that can transform and infill and enliven a person who's dead in the water with no hope, no life, no purpose. When the Holy Spirit comes in, the breath of God comes in. And that's why we breathe in when we're getting intoxicated by the Spirit. I didn't tell him to do it. I didn't tell that guy to breathe in. I said, do you know what you're doing? Garth, I said, do you know what you're doing? You're breathing in the presence of God. Let's all stand, God bless you. So much for that sermon I was going to preach. Father, I want to read a scripture, and it's in Jeremiah, it's in the Old Testament. While you're just standing there, Jeremiah 31, 31 says this. He says, there is coming a time. The time is coming, declares the Lord. This is before Jesus came again. See, the Bible is full of prophecy coming to pass. It's prophecy that is coming to pass, has come to pass, and will come to pass. This is more 
prophecy from the prophet Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 33, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. That means I will put my word in their minds. I will put my righteous standard in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. and They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, meaning no longer will you have to need a priest or a man's instruction to lead you to God because intuitively you will be able to sense that God is God, that God is leading you to that place of salvation. And already a lot of you people know God without any religious instruction. Some people are probably here for the first time in a church, but God says there will come a time when the Holy Spirit will be released. Now here it is, 31, 34. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a, or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord. Which sounds, sounds a little bit harsh. Doesn't it? Know the Lord. Because they will know Him already. And I believe everyone in this church knows God. Scripture continues, From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, they shall be saved. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Talking about the new covenant. Talking about how Jesus can forgive someone and remember their sins no more. God will be known instinctively, not just by religious instruction. It is rather a knowledge of God based on a heart experience of divine grace and imparted by the Holy Spirit. It's God by the power of His Spirit that leads us to this place right now. Right now, I believe there's a time right now that God is beckoning people. Every moment, every day, God is beckoning people to this place of simple trust in God, in Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning, that you simply need to say, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for my sin. I believe my sin can be forgiven. I can be washed clean. I can be set free to have a relationship with God the Father. I believe, God, that your Holy Spirit has been leading me for many years, even this year, during Christmas, even of late. The Holy Spirit, I believe, has been leading you. Some people just get saved because the Holy Spirit has been speaking to them about God, about salvation. Maybe that's you this morning. You're not joining a church. You're not getting religious. But I tell you this, if you say yes to Jesus, you will walk in His presence forevermore. You will walk in His presence forever, forevermore. If that's you in your house, let's just close our eyes right now. Let's close our eyes and believe right now there's people that just want to say a simple prayer of salvation. And I would be honored to be able to say that prayer for you. It's a prayer of salvation, acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord. Once you do that, your sins are forgiven. Once you do that, you are connected to God. But there's more. The Holy Spirit can empower you to live an extraordinary life, to overcome circumstance of life, to stand up and be the man and woman in your family, in your community, to be the father and mother that you always wanted to be to realize your best years yet, to realize your, 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 
your, your destiny and your purpose in God, it's all by the power of God. We talk about the power all the time because it's what Jesus did on the day of Pentecost. He said, don't move without the power being clothed, without being clothed with power. So Jesus, if there's anyone here this morning that just simply says yes to you, who wants to say yes to you, to acknowledge you as their protector, their provider, as the the shepherd of their soul. If there be anyone here right now under the inspiration of my voice, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up really quick from the front to the back, to this side, to this side. It's an easy peasy. Again, it's so easy. You just have to be like a child with faith to believe it. Right now, let's all begin to pray from the front to the back, to this side, to this side. If there's anyone in the house who's not sure of their salvation, ask your friend next to you right now and explain what's happening.